0: Everyone, thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. This morning, uh, I want to just quickly share some things with you uh, in, in, in respect to stepping out and stepping out in faith and stepping and stepping uh, uh, over into what the Lord's uh, provided for us and is kind of promising us. But I want to start with a, a little bit of a, uh, how should I say it, just a a little bit of a challenge, maybe a a little test. Some of you have seen this. Most of you probably haven't. Now, your challenge, if you had this, you can't step up and draw on the overhead projector, but just imagine right now you can draw nine dots in a square uh, on your bulletin if you want to. Uh, But imagine this challenge. Take, and with only four lines, without lifting your pen, can you connect all nine dots? And some of you are going, of course I can. Well, you can... If you do it the way it has to be done, if you're going to try to stay within the box, you will not be able to do that unless you're some... science fiction guy that raises above the plane and, and has a way of doing that but you aren't and so you can't but here it is the, the way that you connect these dots because right away you see the boundaries you see the square you see the box and you're going to have to go outside the box you have to cross over the line sorry I literally did this myself you can see uh, my, my team my, uh, my art team they get really frustrated when I do these homemade illustrations but this is cool I think I think you don't. Okay, so see number one, number two, number three, number four? If you go outside and come back on number two, on that plane, you jump north there, and then you come back kind of diagonally. You don't have to lift your pen, and you can connect all the dots. But you have to cross over the lines. You have to step out. You have to step over. And sometimes I think life mimics a, a geometry test or a geometry quiz, okay? Not that this is geometry, but it reminded me of geometry. We often need to step, again, outside our boxes to arrive at God's goal or God's plan for our life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But the Bible has a, a term for this process. It's called uh, stepping out in faith. It's called uh, a walking in faith. Uh, the New Testament In the book, it's a letter that we're not sure who the author is. Uh, there's been speculation from the very beginning, but it was somebody in the early church, uh, the, the, the the epistle or the letter to the Hebrews. Now, Hebrews is not a coffee shop on State Street. It's, again, it's a letter to the Hebrew people who are followers of Jesus. Right? That really was a good joke. You just don't appreciate good humor on something. Hebrews. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm gonna, I've i been looking for a name for that coffee shop I want to or Hebrews, okay? So here it is. The scripture, the first verse of chapter one of Hebrews, says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is why I love the book of Hebrews. This is my favorite chapter in this long letter to the Hebrews uh, and these Hebrew Christians back in the first century that we draw from today because it's just beautiful stuff and it points to Jesus and shows us so many amazing things. But I love this chapter. It's called the faith chapter. It's a whole chapter dedicated to faith. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, I grew up with the King James Version. I think it was faith is the substance. That sounded so spooky and so spiritual. Like, ooh, the substance, something out there. But it's just, you break it down in the, in the original language, which a lot of these, uh, these Bible translations do, and this is a New International Version. It's, just, it's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So there's something at work here in faith, and then as you go further into the chapter, you come to understand that that there's a, there's there's these steps that we have to take and these lines that we have to cross over in order to live by faith. Okay, and and by the way. The the ancients that were commended for, that's all those heroes of the faith that you see from Genesis deep into the Old Testament. These these ancient men and women of Israel who were godly people and who lived by faith. And the first one that we're going to look at this morning is Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, okay? Here's what it says. Oh, that's line of the unknown. That's the point if you're taking notes. Sorry, I forgot about that, okay? So it's the line of the unknown by faith, by faith, Abraham, when when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went even though he did not know where he was going. How about that? That's faith, hoping and believing, right? Uh, and 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 look at there, it says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac, his son, and his grandson Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise, okay, it was going to be passed down to his posterity, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Okay, he left Ur the Chaldees, and many believe that it was a comfortable place. He maybe had some wealth. One day, God tapped him on the shoulder. One day, God spoke to him, and he packed up everything, and his family and his extended family, and they traveled across from Iraq to northern, north of Israel, probably Syria, and came down into modern-day Israel. That is a line of the unknown, right there. You talk about a step of faith. You talk about going, and then it's not like he had this palace or this, um, you know, this condominium in Tel Aviv. They say Tel Aviv is really nice. Debbie and I are going to be there next month, at least for a night. And uh, it's it's kind of the tourist place of Israel, and and uh, you know that's where you'd like to live. But nothing was promised. There was no beach house. It was tents in the desert with smelly sheep, okay, and that was a line of the unknown that he trusts, and and this here's the thing, we must trust and obey God to step over the line of the unknown. Now, God's probably not going to call you, you know, to a desert to live in a tent, but uh, when he does call us, there is that sense, and when he does start moving in our hearts, in our lives, as we walk with him, and we say, I feel like the Lord's laying this on my heart. Usually it's that step, and that we cross that line of the unknown because we don't necessarily see what the end result is. But faith is having confidence in what we hope for, and we're sure of what we do not see because it's something bigger than us that's planting the hope in us. And that something is someone, it's the Spirit of God that's leading us as Christ's followers, okay? Okay, that sounds good, Pastor Brian. Go ahead, continue. Okay, so uh, I've got to stop here because I was gone last week at a funeral. Uh, Debbie and I were invited, the network of pastors and ministers that we participate with. I serve on a board there and I was asked to go out and to kind of represent our network of pastors and missionaries. There's maybe 70 or 80 or 100 who are kind of under this network and there's maybe a dozen and a half or two dozen churches that are in relationship and we do missions together and I was asked to go out and to uh, kind of uh, bring a word and to, to attend this funeral for a man who, get this, he, he and his wife were uh, kind of evangelists they would go around having what they called in the day like little revivals. They, I think he played a, an instrument, and, and she played the piano, and they would sing, and and then he would preach, and he would come into churches, and this was back like in the early 50s, 1950s. And uh, one day he went to a church in South Denver, and the pastor's wife wasn't feeling well, so the pastor said, hey, it was like 1954, 55, said, hey, would you like to stay and pastor this church? Now, these guys were like full-time. This husband and wife, his name was Gaylord Kinchy, and his wife Sylvie were full-time traveling ministers. And they prayed about it, and they, they took that pastorate, and he's been pastoring that church ever since. He's kind of backed off the last few years, but at 90, 89, almost 90 years old, he passed away about a week or so ago. So how about that for the unknown? He's out there cruising around the, you know, the the countryside and and then the lord just says i, I have some place for you to be and he has faithfully he faithfully pastored that church for so many years and 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 so that's that 89 what a life what a what a what a journey but then something else happened just before we traveled on friday and that was somebody very close to our heart someone very close to our community here uh, an extended elder we have like four or five elders who are full-time pastors, who pray for our church here. And in case I go really crazy and start passing out poisonous Kool-Aid, they come in and they kind of lock me up and care for me. Okay. so And also, if there's a crisis, they come in. But we don't see them. Sometimes we have them come and preach. But they're just praying for and They're here to protect and care for you and care for us as, as pastors. Roger Olson was one of our overseers, one of our extended elders. And on Thursday morning, not this last Thursday, but the week before, He graduated into the presence of the Lord at 74 years old. Uh, I talked with him this summer, and he said, I'm believing when he was, some cancer had come back, and it metastasized, and he said, I'm trusting God for 14 more years. I want to hit 90. He wanted to hit Kinchy's age, but he didn't. He didn't quite make it, Um, but boy, did he pack a lot of life into the 74 years in fact, I just, I just want to honor him for a minute because some of you don't know who he is. Some of you do know who he is. Some of his family is here this morning. Um, it came up from St. Louis, the Beloungies, and uh, he is, uh, he's a special man, and it was a special pastor. Uh, but let me just tell you this. His story started with his young cousin who's like 12 or 13 years old, and her name was Linda Kramer. She's now Linda Brown, Linda Kramer Brown. And uh, one day, the pastor, who was my grandfather, I think challenge the congregation, hey, make a list on a paper of 10 people you want to encounter the kingdom of God, 10 people you want to experience Jesus, uh, you want to be born into his kingdom, born again. And so this little 12, 13-year-old girl, who, by the way, I talked to her this week, she was teaching a Sunday school class. Back then they didn't have labor laws at Bethesda. It was called Bethesda. We do now have labor laws. Maybe we don't. It was, uh, but she's teaching a Sunday school class, and she makes this list, and she told me, that over the next couple of years, between forty and forty three of her family members came into the kingdom of God, most of them, I think, right through this where you sit here today. One of them was Roger Olson and his what, new, his bride, Sandra Olson. And so Roger uh, connected here a, a year or so later, I think he he went to Bible College over in Des Moines, went four years to Bible school to college, and studied. And, um, but he tells a story about one Sunday here at this church that his father, I think his parents were, were separated or divorced or something, but his father came to a service. And if he were speaking here today, he would point to right where that was. I think it's over here somewhere that his father, George, who was a helpless alcoholic. When I say that he could not quit. It was, it had him in a cycle and it was destroying his life. And Pastor extended an invitation to surrender to Christ, to yield to the Lordship of Jesus. And he stood up and Roger says that day he never touched another drink of alcohol. It's like the Lord supernaturally delivered him from that. The the victory that we're talking about with Eden, the victory uh, was made real, the victory of Jesus Christ over his life, because those, they were like chains. And some of you may Relate to that, or you know what I'm talking about there. But there was such a powerful grip of addiction, and so I'm saying that because in for Roger, this this was a special place because of the beautiful memories of what God did. In fact, one day he was up painting, uh, he's up painting the the steps around in the steps up going to the balcony. Okay, I, I, and he shares this. And the reason I know this is because every time one of his grandkids would turn 12 or 13, he'd bring them over here uh, after lunch or before lunch, and probably showing them different places and sharing his story. And he said, he'd take him up in one of these halls, one of these uh, stairwells. And he'd say, I was painting right here when I heard God's voice, probably not audibly, but the the impression of of God speaking and saying, I want you to give your life to full-time ministry. Interesting. So those of you in the balcony, be careful when you walk up and down the steps. You'll be here one day, all right? So, uh, so. Uh, I just think it's amazing, his story. In fact, I, I wanted to share something. It, it, uh, it, it, he, had a, he had a friend, but it was an interesting friendship. Uh, many of you who've been raised in this area know Bill Winecke. He pastored and served in some missions here in the city. And I think for part-time or full-time, he was the religious editor for the Capital Times. I don't know where he's, how he's employed today. He's probably in retirement. But he wrote a piece that was went online. Uh, concerning Roger Olson, Uh, and I think it was on Channel 3000. I think there's a, a news outlet there that you can see this. But it says, if you were to Google the name Roger Olson, you would turn up two or three entries, one of them noting he was a pastor of Grace Church in New Glarus, and the other announcing he was speaking at another church. If all you had to go on was Google, you could be forgiven for thinking Olson wasn't much of a character. You could be forgiven, but you'd be wrong. Roger, who died Thursday, uh, that was last uh, two weeks ago, was one of the best-loved pastors in southern Wisconsin. He began his career in 1970 as an assistant pastor at Bethesda Church. We used to be called Bethesda here in Madison. Spent a number of years as a pastor at uh, Madison Gospel Tabernacle, now City Church, and in, in 1993, he agreed to take on a tiny and almost dying congregation in New Glarus. Grace Church met and meets in a former Buick sales agency and garage. Although it is now the largest congregation in the village, it retains its storefront ambiance. Roger worked at a folding table uh, in the lobby, offered candies and pastry and and coffee to anyone who walked in the door. I knew him for almost 50 years, Wonecky says, and I don't recall ever seeing him dressed in anything other than a plaid flannel shirt and slacks. I have to say, Roger and I didn't agree on much of anything. We didn't agree on theology. He said he believed every word of the Bible, even the maps. My theology tends to be more liberal. We most certainly didn't agree on politics, and the advent of social media did little to mellow our disagreements. Well, it exacerbated those disagreements. But the only thing we did agree on was that his wife, Sandra, whom he married in 1965, is a far better person than either of us. But we were friends. Listen to that. We were friends, and we liked one another. I can't speak to why Roger liked me. I can speak to one reason I liked Roger. He lived out his faith like few others I have ever encountered. Isn't that something? If you encountered Roger and and you needed help, you got help, period. He loved to share his faith, but he never insisted those in need agree before he lent a hand. He helped people buy food, buy gas, pay their rents. He gave second chances He gave third chances. He probably gave a whole lot more chances than that. There were those of us who disagreed with Roger's politics and with the way he understood the Bible, but no one ever questioned his uh, sincerity of his faith or with the humility of his spirit. Isn't that great? He was a charismatic guy. Had he wished to be a pastor of a bigger church with a bigger salary, he would have found no shortage of churches who would want him. Had he desired to build a fancy church on the hills surrounding New Glarus, his congregation would have built it. They say Grace Church, because of its origins, was called the Taj Garage. He didn't want that. He liked working in his storefront temple where children trooped in after school to get candy and where poor people felt welcome. Entries in Google don't always tell you much about a man. We loved Roger. He was a great encouragement to me, and I just just wanted you to hear what a special what a special life he was if you didn't get a chance to know him. If you've been around Madison, the body of Christ for many years, you've been touched by Roger Olson, I'm sure. But back to my point, outside the line of the unknown, by the way, Roger stepped over that line of the unknown into full-time ministry somewhere in those stairwells, back there, going up to the to the uh, balcony. I like what somebody once said, when you have nothing left but God, you begin to learn that God is enough, and I believe that's what he experienced and encountered, and I believe that's what we all get to encounter as we journey forward in faith. Here's another point I want you to see here, and that's this. If if we're going to take that step of faith, if we're going to go where God's calling us to go, there's that line of the impossible. Now, this is really big, and this is really obvious as the story of Abraham continues because it talks about his wife by faith, Sarah, who was past childbearing years or age, wasn't able to bear children because she considered him faithful, God faithful, who had made the promise, and that's the key. God doesn't call us without giving us that directive and that, that promise that this is the direction we're to go, and, and, and that's often the case as we, as we follow him. And so, from this one man, you can see, as he is as good as dead, he was past childbearing years himself, and are they're just they're older people, uh, and she was for sure. It came descendants as numerous as the stars, sky, and, and sand, and uh, on the seashores, and that's a that's a great picture there of what God did. Now, God delights, don't you know, in the impossibilities. God delights in the impossibilities. Charles Spurgeon, who is a a nineteenth century firebrand missionary uh out of uh, out of England and traveled a lot here in America he said something of this he said one man says I will do as much as I can one man but he says any any person can say that he that believes in Christ does what he cannot do he attempts the impossible and performs it and of course it was Jesus who said if you have the faith of a mustard seed you'll be able to move mountains uh, or nothing will be impossible for you and so uh uh, that's that's the reality that when God's calling us, of course it's impossible, but God's the one that's leading us. And there's going to be some things probably even this year that we'll encounter as a congregation, that you'll encounter personally, where you'll sense the God, the God leading you. Don't be afraid to cross over into that realm of the impossible, because if God's leading, he'll be able to see you through. And that's what these, these ancients understood. Here's another point I want you to see. Uh, there's this line of discouragement. It's it's a lack of positive feedback or instant feedback or just that 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 line that 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 lack of in, in, encouragement you know how we need encouragement and when you look at these ancients and specifically when you look at their lives of, of of Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob look at this it says all these people were still living by faith when they died they did not receive the things they promised uh, that were promised them, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country not of their own or a country of their own that god 's building is what 's being said there. Uh, so man, when you think of it, how did they stay the course when they left comfort? Abraham went to a desolate place, living a nomadic lifestyle, and yet they they kept pressing on because They knew that the God that called them was going to be faithful. Whether they saw it in their time, in their season, in their life, it didn't matter. They passed over that line of discouragement. My grandfather dreamed that one day uh, they would own the house next to the church. When when this church was built, they owned the land next door where Crest Funeral Home is now. Somewhere in the early 60s, I believe they had to sell it. Uh, I don't know what the case was. I never, Nobody ever told me. But we had land there probably for parking. We don't have a lot of parking here. And I, I know there was a house right next to the church. Imagine this, a time when there's just a little slice of parking next to this building here. as like 11 or 12 spaces. And he dreamed of the house next door because as soon as they built this church... The lot next door was owned by somebody else, and they built like a story and a half of Cape Cod. And he dreamed of owning that. Well, he died in 1976, and it wasn't until Debbie and I came back here to pastor, um, actually just before we came back, that the neighbors came one day. The husband had passed away, and the wife said, we're leaving. Would you like to buy our house? And so that house we bought, and then we moved that house. That house is now at the corner of Fair Oaks and Lexington. And there's a house next to that that we bought. And that house, we don't know where it is. We gave it away to the people that move houses because we built a multi-purpose family life center through our backyards, and we needed that lot. And then we owned the house next to that. My grandfather, if he could come here go, man, this is outstanding. I was just praying for one house, and you have four houses, and two of them, you may disappear. You guys are amazing. I don't know if he'd say that. We'd say, we'd say Pastor Norm Sr., you're amazing because you believed, even though you didn't ever see, the outcome. And you stood and you believed and you prayed, and that's what the journey's about sometimes. It's about not getting discouraged, even though in his lifetime, he never saw any more than 12 parking spots and then the street. Thank the Lord for street parking, right? I remember being here one time when I was a kid. My dad was pastoring a church in Minneapolis, and we were here for a Good Friday service, and there's maybe three or four churches combined, and this place was packed in the balcony. It was really cool. But that's about all the people you get together, all the other pastors you get together would join together and pray and, and seek the Lord and unite. We well, fast forward 50 years, and now we have 30, 40, 50, 60 of us pastors that meet any, uh, once a month. And, and there's just such unity, and we've done things where we've, we've filled up probably a third or a half of the Colosseum uh, uh, in, in for special meetings. and it's just. But you know what? The, we're just kind of experiencing the fruit of what his generation prayed for, a spirit of unity and, and the growth in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ in our city. But they didn't become discouraged. They just kept praying, and they kept unifying themselves with one another and, uh, and, and lifting up Jesus Christ. There's no success without sacrifice. So don't be so worn out or discouraged by by this line of discouragement when you just don't seem like you're getting the results you want or the feedback or the the encouragement. Don't be discouraged. God is in your journey. Amen. And it's the person who has never done anything who is sure that nothing can be done. I always like those little quips. Isn't that good? It's the person who's never done anything, never taken the step, who sits back and goes, can't be done. But we know different because we're following somebody. We're following Christ in this journey. Finally, I want you to see this point, uh, and it's this. It's a line of no return. All right, so, you know, you can get to that point where uh, you're going to have to step over this line, this boundary, and it's like, okay, once I take this, there's no going back. Uh, I'm stepping through the temptation to quit and crawl back into my comfort zone, back into my box to go home, to resign. Here's, here's where we see it happening in this letter this morning. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. All right. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Isn't that good? I, I like the therefore there. Uh, God's not ashamed to be called their God because um, they refused to get caught up in the memories of of going back and where it was more comfortable. I remember the children of of Israel coming out of of Egypt and they longed for the, the food of Egypt because they got tired of the supernatural food that God was providing for them and they just wanted to go back To Egypt, Keith Green wrote a song about it. Google it; great song. Okay, I like what the Living Bible says for this verse. Listen: if they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, but they didn't want to. Yeah, some of these, some of these comforts. You know, this this walk is it's a journey, it's a pilgrimage. We're trusting God; He's leading us, and it's not always comfortable to our flesh or our our mind or our. But we're we're trusting the Lord. He gives us the peace. He gives us the strength. But Behind us always can look, oftentimes I should say, can look more comfortable. I kind of call it the status quo versus the longing of God. See, they, they could have had that opportunity had they, had they thought about it and, and turned back, but the, the God longing in their heart was so much greater that they, they kept their face forward. They kept their eyes on, on the prize that God had placed before them. So, stepping out in faith over these lines, I just want you to see this as we conclude. It requires at least three things on your part. Now, some of you are going, how does this relate to me? I don't know. I kind of have some ideas, but I really trust that the Holy Spirit, is, as scriptures are unpacked, he starts to kind of stir things in your heart. And you maybe already are tracking where this can be made applicable to where you're at today. But let me, let me just say this. Three, three requirements, and the first one, has to do with just trusting God, trusting God. Abraham in verse eight says he trusted God. Don't you know it? Ur of the Chaldees was a destination place. The deserts in northern Israel were not a destination. Living in tents, leaving a house, maybe on the Euphrates or the Tigris River. That that's where you wanted to live long and grow old and bounce your naked. Grandbabies on your lap, but you—they were called to go out, but the trust in God was what led them and what motivated them, and they and they went forward, trusting God. The edge, have you heard? Said the edge of the limb, is where the fruit is. Well, I've seen fruit all over a tree, but the picture there is sometimes you got to crawl out there to capture uh, the prize. Here's what Helen Keller, who was born blind and learned to function, and you know her story an amazing woman. She said, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either daring, uh, a daring adventure, or nothing. Wow. Consider the source there. Trusting God, stepping out. Uh, Here's another thing. Uh, It's going to require that we sacrifice. It's going to require self-sacrifice. And we've been looking at this scripture in verse nine. Abraham and his family moved and they lived in tents. Now, some of you are thinking, I love the camp. God send me, right? But this is just an absolute, uh, this is absolute step down, almost a poverty compared to where they maybe potentially came from. Living in tents like a mere visitor, uh, that's sacrifice. Now, again, God's probably not going to call us to tents, uh, but there's Without that sacrifice, oftentimes we don't uh, get to encounter His blessing and and the reward in the journey. And finally, uh, it just it's going to require persistence, absolute persistence. Okay, uh, because in verse thirteen it says they died without ever receiving. And don't you know that you know they hit their seventies, they hit their eighties, however long they lived, and they go, it still hasn't come, but they were persistent. And and then they, they wake up one day and they say, Today I might die and I'm not gonna see this promise fulfilled. But they didn't quit. They were persistent because we're obeying God in this journey. Christ is leading us wherever we go. And it requires persistence. Okay? Let's stand. I just wanna close, invite the worship team to come. So here is that question I asked a moment ago. How how do these scriptures speak to where you're at in your faith walk today? Are you stepping outside your box? Uh, Are you stepping over these lines? Are you crossing these lines? Are you sensing God's leading into maybe the unknown or the impossible? It's an adventure, and our faith walk is an adventure, and it's not a, a faith stand. It's not a faith sit. It's a faith journey, and it will come with the unknown and the impossible. Are you struggling with discouragement or temptation to quit? I want to pray for that in a moment here. Or even returning, like I said, to that status quo, that, that comfort zone. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for God-sized opportunities for you to step out, okay? In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. There'll be prayer in the back. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.bridgeway.church.